Welcome to Getting My Act Together podcast. It's Sunday, December 13, 2020. I hope you are well. I hope you're staying sane. I hope you're trying. I hope you're succeeding, actually, at remaining optimistic for better days and including yourself in the effort it will take to make better days. Is this the TED Talk is going to be today at the beginning of the of the episode? And I always say TED Talk, but the truth is it's not good enough to even be a TED Talk. It's probably not even good to be a TEDx Talk, which are the jankest. I don't know. I've never seen them, a TEDx Talk. But a TEDx Talk looks to me, just feels like an executive MBA. Like if you can pay... The cost of admission, if you can pay the freight, we'll give you what you want. Uh, TEDx looks like you have to pay to get one. A TED Talk more is like, you're pretty tight. Would you come talk to these people who also are looking for salvation, but for some reason uh, have moved on from religion? Would you please come speak to them? TED person? Let's be clear also, if I shit on anybody... What I'm not ever mad about them is getting money or being successful. I'm not, I'm really not a hater in that way. I don't, I'm not mad at people for getting money. I'm not hating that way. Uh, what I would maybe talk shit about is like, what's the contribution? Like, and you're sitting there in your, wherever you are saying, what's your fucking contribution, dude? And I get it. Not much. But I just want you to know that. I, in no way am I mad at people getting money. Do your thing. Get your money. And if you can do it by making zero contribution, shout out to you. That's the highest yield. That's the highest economic yield, right? Zero input for all the output. I, am I, I'm not shitting on like brain scientists on TEDx. Anyway, this is not a TED Talk. Please, I hope, I hope that you're remaining optimistic I hope that you, I hope that even though the calendar arbitrarily ends on December 31st, 19 more days of this, that you can find something to believe in or keep believing or strengthen your belief in something. I do hope that because it's, it's rough, it's brutal, and all we have is each other in this podcast. So stay the course. Is that is that? Remember when people said 2016 was a terrible year? All those great deaths. There can be such a thing as a great death. Death of deaths of great people, like Muhammad Ali and Prince and David Bowie, and the Wizard of Knoxville, Pat Summit, the great iconic women's basketball coach at the University of Tennessee passed away in 2016 those are the ones i remember muhammad ali prince david bowie and the wizard of oh and fife dog fife dog from a tribe called quest if i have said bullshit into microphones across my adult life whether it's playing music or doing stand-up comedy invariably, or most of the time, not most of the time, more than anything else I've said into the microphone right at the beginning is microphone check, one, two, what is this, the five-foot assassin with the roughneck business. And that's Fife Dog. Rest in peace. All right, so we covered the TEDx talk. We covered deaths. Let's join hands, bow our heads. Guess what? This episode is not brought to you by anyone today. However, I would like to shout out, once again, the Eggman. Grateful Pastures in Mansfield, Georgia. Delicious eggs. And if you ever are like, wow, you know, I have 10 bucks and I need to buy three different things and maybe have a couple dollars extra to uh, spend on a bus fare getting home, then Grateful Pastures is not for you. <laughs> The Eggman sells you eggs, a dozen eggs, for $10. 
which is exorbitant, but they're delicious. And I only bring up the Eggman because I saw him yesterday, and those of you who listen to the podcast know I mentioned him on a previous episode, and he bought, he sold me a shirt, and he sold me some eggs for $10 a dozen. Anyway, I saw him yesterday at the farmer's market, the COVID market, and he had heard the episode in which Grateful Pastures was discussed, and apparently during that episode, I advocated for his boss giving him a raise, and he <laughs> he played the episode or that part of it for his boss, and I think it reflected, I think the boss took it, and if you own Mansfield Farms, dude, this guy down here, the Eggman, your Eggman, like I said, he is he's worth investing in. But it sounds like they are investing in the Eggman, and he was very happy. I don't know his name. I don't want to know his name. He doesn't, he may know my name or not. I mean, yeah, he did because he listened to the podcast, but they're not our sponsors. But I saw the Eggman, and he was he was chuffed by his inclusion in the podcast. So, Grateful Pastures, Mansfield, Georgia. We still did not figure out if Powell Mansfield's uh, family is responsible for... Uh, Mansfield, Georgia. I don't know that. However, it's good to see the Eggman, and he says hello to everyone listening across the globe. Also yesterday, at the uh, farmer's market, I had a transaction with one vendor where it was exclusively, can I have that, please? They handed me that, and they swiped my card, and then they said, would you... Would you like to leave a tip? And it's... Would I like to leave a tip? Like, like, what are we talking about here? And this is why I'm not well adapted for a capitalist market. Because if I worked for Goldman Sachs, I would spit in that person's face. Or you know what? I wouldn't even hear them. That's what I I would... Sorry, Goldman, I know that you do a lot of good for the world, especially at the farmer's markets. But I would not even, I wouldn't even hear the person because I wouldn't recognize them as being the same species as me. Am I demonizing people who work at Goldman Sachs? Absolutely. (laughs) Do I really believe they're all demonic? No, because we can't do that. You cannot say that the other is a demon. You cannot dehumanize them. However inhumane you might find their behavior, you cannot dehumanize them because then that is a slippery slope to not treating them like people and that's how we end up with genocides. As a lot of people at Goldman Sachs fucking know. So anyway, would I like to leave a tip and I'm there like, what what do you mean? Like, how much should I leave here? Should I? And all the people standing behind me are looking at me like, go ahead, you cheap bastard. Or they also are like, leave a tip for what? Leave a tip for what? And the answer is, because you just fucking bought $10 eggs back there, you asshole. You can give this person a dollar, which is 100% true. It's 100% true. What I don't like, and I think what I, I, I resent about, would you like to leave a tip? And <laughs> she looked around at everybody, make sure. Make, hey, that asshole, would you like to leave a tip? Would you like to make a donation to children who are suffering? And you're like, uh, I'd rather go get some more eggs. <laughs> I think what I resent about it is, A, let's move past the, you didn't do anything for the tip. I don't have a fucking problem tipping you for doing nothing. I think what I don't like is that I, is that the burden of, compensating the employee is falling to me as opposed to the fucking employer who really is just doing what the market supports paying the least amount of money to get that fucking person to stand there and sell me this bagel right so it's not my beef my ish my beef my beef i need two gats to go to sleep my issue is not with the individual my issue is with the system i guess Because the employer is paying that person as little as possible to come to work on a Saturday morning and give an asshole like me a bagel. 
right? And they're paying as little as possible, A, because the state of Georgia allows them to. And I know that there's a federal minimum wage, which is higher than the state of Georgia. But the system says pay these fucking people as little as you can and then put the burden on assholes like myself. Not like the Goldman assholes who just move right past it. Like, fuck, this has nothing to do with me. Just give me my bagel. I got to go make more money. For assholes like me who have just a touch, not a lot, and I'm not even saying an average amount of conscience or thoughtfulness about others, compassion. I'm not saying I do or I'm better. I'm saying what what happens is I have to think about it because I realize there's a person here who could use this dollar. And by the way, is Square going to take 20% of the dollar when I swipe my credit card? Or is the fucking person who owns the business going to even give them the whole dollar, the whole 80 cents? I don't know. I don't know any of that. I think what I just don't like is that this shit has nothing to do with me. That's what I feel like. And if you're an economist or a, a labor activist, please, by all means, get in touch with the podcast and remind everyone how I am full of shit. But I feel like I should be like the Goldman person, not in that I'm going to say fuck you, but I feel like that would make me certainly better uh, adapted for working on Wall Street, probably. And am I making a generalization? Yeah. And are those things, you know, based on things that have occurred? Yeah, they are. I just feel like the conversation about your your compensation doesn't have anything to do with me. And I know that's naive, but that's my thought. And then I say like, God, this puts me in a this puts me in a tough spot. And they're like, well, <laughs> Only if you're an asshole, because <laughs> most people just tip, and they realize that it's a broken system in which the worker is fucked over as much as they can be, and suckers like you are responsible for making up what their employers and the system will not do for them. This is the United States of America. Now it sounds like a, a Ted F. talk. And hopefully, somehow I made the case in there that it's it's a pro-labor stance. It's not fuck this employee at all. And then you get into the, well, the right thing, the right thing to do is to, I believe, is to give a dollar, right? Here's a tip. And you're like, well, dude, how much was it? A $67 bagel. I left a dollar tip. The right thing seems to be to give the dollar, but... The hard-headed thing in me, resenting and rejecting the system. Why, you asshole? You're sitting in a home that a bank owns part of. Why? Why do you think that you're... Why do I think I'm Cesar Chavez? I, I don't. I'm not. But see, se puede. <laughs> I think I just... The stubbornness in me is like, why? The system is... The system. The man. Anyway. Um, what do you think I did? Well, whatever your answer is, you're right. Because I played it each way. Yesterday I tipped. Previously I have not. I just, I don't want to have to fucking, well, that that's, then you're an asshole. <laughs> that's what, I was going to say, I don't want to have to think about what you're making. I just want the fucking bagel. And well, then you're not an ethical consumer. And the, really, if I can spend $10, I, I get it. At Goldman Sachs Eggs in Mansfield, Georgia. Like many, I just don't like being in the spot. What? What? I what, I want to not think. That's what I want. Yeah, and that's ex that's exactly it. That's how bad shit happens. If I thought more about this terrible wage that you're paying this person, then I would do something about it. Well, here I am. This is my gift, like a man who wraps himself in a bow tie and presents him to the world presents himself to the world. This is what I'm doing. I'm talking about the laughable wages that we pay service workers here in this country. There I am. And how we don't give a shit about people. And so we all should tip. But that sustains the system, right? 
What we all should do is not spend money. All right, dude. Now you're just far off. We should not spend money at places that don't pay their fucking workers. I've heard people say, oh, it's so hard to find good help. Then pay them more. Try that. See if you get a better cut of worker who wants to work for you. It's so hard to find good help. Pay them more. See what that does. See what that does. Reduce your margin from 12 million percent. Is this is this an economic podcast now? You'll notice what I've observed in my life is I have get down like three three dollar amounts in jeopardy across many categories. I know a little about a lot. I don't know a lot about a little, which is really how you probably want to be most successful in life. You might not be the most interesting dinner guest, but my knowledge is, I can get down to what is 100, 200, 300, like $300 on Jeopardy for a lot of different things. But then when it gets to 400, 500, you can tell, I'm not talking out of my ass, I'm just wrong. So this is a very challenging place to put the listener here in 2020 is I don't want this to be a an additional fountain of misinformation. But you have to figure out, okay, he, he made a good point about about the wages being so low. And then he also said that, well, that puts the burdens on the consumer. And if the consumer keeps tipping, then that's going to sustain the system because the system's going to say, well, look, the money that they actually made is this. But then you might say, of course, now it really sounds like he doesn't know what he's talking about because he's trying to make a macroeconomic point, and you'd be totally right. And I'm sorry to put you in this critical thinking exercise, but it is what it is. All of which underlines, if you're at work listening to this, go into the bathroom and turn on the water and just let it run. Let it run for five minutes, and you will, you will get closer to breaking even on the relationship with your employer. Okay, Is it trolly? Absolutely. Is it petty? 100%. Is it childish and immature and suggestive of an employee that no one would want to hire? Absolutely. Yes, 100%. But also keep in mind while you're at work today and while you're working for someone, you're not working for a person at all. You're working for a business. You're not working for a person. Even if they're personified in management, if there is a boss who has a boss who has a boss. Now, if you're the bagel seller or the egg man, yeah, you're closer to working for a person. But you're still working for a business. If your check is written from a business, you're working for a fucking business. And remember that the business keeps you working for them just as long as it's profitable for them. Just as long as they're making money on you. Okay, they're making money on you. And you, most of the time, very often, work that fucking job because they pay you just enough to keep working there. So therefore, you are breaking even on the relationship. The business is getting over. They're profiting. You're breaking even. They're profiting. This might be one of those moments like, actually, dude, you're full of shit. But I think I'm right. Business only keeps you there because you're profitable for them. You stay at your job because they pay you or give you, you get just enough to not leave because of whatever reason, because there are no other options where you can't get what you're getting there. It says stand-up comedy somewhere in this fucking podcast description, doesn't it? <laughs> what am I talking about here? <laughs> God. <laughs> like they send me a thing like here's where your comedy podcast ranks and look it's doing better than it did a month ago hey you're on to something <laughs> oh try to make a fucking joke somewhere along the line what an asshole i am but your company is getting over on you don't ever forget that and care less. <laughs> so what? I there. That's an interesting self-awareness, isn't it? It's like, boy, this smoking this cigarette is bad for me. Holy shit! I just had this epiphany. 
like bottoming out while I'm reprogramming Netflix in the middle of the night trying to get it to think that I like Alex Jones. I'm not mad at Alex Jones for getting money either. It's, I'm not. But I have this epiphany, like, this is supposed to be a com- pom- comedy podcast, a comedy podcast, and I'm sitting here trying to be like Karl Marx. And I don't even know if that's the correct use of Karl Marx in this occasion. I'm doing that. I'm aware that I'm doing it. I stop. As Sarah Silverman says, I put a pin in it. I acknowledge this is supposed to be a fucking comedy podcast. Why am I doing such a disservice to everyone who reads the description and expects it to be that? And then immediately I dive back into (laughs) half-assed economic theory. That's, that's, that's inappropriate. That's, that's bizarre. It's dissonant is what it is because it's making me aware of my attitude, yet I don't change my behavior. So therefore, I'm living in internal confusion and chaos. The final, but I, so, so I'm soldiering through for a third time. All I want to say is this. If you have a job, take it less, take everything in it less personally. Every, take everything less personally. Do a good job. Make yourself someone that they want to keep around. But also get as close as you can to being able to walk away from it. Obviously, I understand there are situational constraints. There is an, a labor market and I only have so many options. And, and, you know, switching this job out for another one would require taking a pay cut or require moving cities. I understand. But all I want to, this is how I'll close the goddamn gap on this, the goddamn loop. For your employer, you and any dealing with you are always just business. It's always just business. But for us, the individual, it's personal. We care more. We care. We're people. We have to care. So what I'm, but the business does not care. Clinically, I mean, clinically, that's not the right word. The business does not care because the business doesn't have a heart. It doesn't have a brain. It doesn't have a conscience. So you are purely an economic decision for them. They don't, them, them is not them. Them is it. It takes no emotional consideration into anything that happens to you. So what I'm suggesting you do is try to, despite, try to treat, try to do as well as you can at your job so you keep it and you're advanced and you're compensated like you want to be compensated. But treat it less like an emotional relationship and much more like a purely economic decision. Your boss is up and trying to, we really need to rally the troops for this effort. Fuck all that, dude. You go rally the fucking troops. We're not at war here. You will never win. Well, you know what this is? It's like the uh, it's like the lecture of the unemployed. I, that, that's what I'm like 20 minutes away from sitting under a bridge just talking to some other dudes about this. And you know what, dude? This is how I stayed unemployed all my life. <laughs> I talk this nonsense. But it really is that. Don't give your heart and your head to them. Because you already give them your time and your effort. You're doing your part. You don't have to fucking care. You don't have to turn off the water. You hit your numbers. You're doing your job. Your job's not to worry about that water running in the bathroom. It's really not. Now, is anyone listening to this ever going to hire me? No, of course not. Just look out for you. And you know what? It'll don't, don't look out for the business as much as you look out for yourself. Make those things as close, if not 
look out for yourself more, but make them, if you're ever looking out for the business more than you're looking out for yourself, you're fucked. You're at a total disadvantage. <laughs> what do you think Goldman Sachs would do? What do you think the Eggman does? Look at, and you know this, well, you, like we, I, I'm probably talking to myself as well. I am, I'm literally talking to myself in a basement. Caring gets you nothing. (laughs) Who are you most attracted to? The person who's saying, who's saying to, yes, boss, I got it, boss. I'm going to do all this for you, and I'm going to call you and text you and show you that I did it. Or are you most attracted to the person who's like, I did my shit. I'm done. I did it as well as that other fucking knucklehead who wants to show you how much he likes you and needs you. Who in a social situation gets paid off? The neediest, desperate person? Or the person who may have internal disarray and I'm speaking of myself but presents a little more control and perhaps even aloofness where you're like hey what's going on with this person what's up with this motherfucker that's the faking it till you make it you realize that you're not going to get anything if you're too desperate or needy at work in life so all right we we, you know, it's a con- it's a stand-up comedy podcast. <laughs> I got a Christmas tree. My daughter and I went and bought a Christmas tree, and I don't know the name of the place we got it. I know it was not the big Christmas tree vendor in Atlanta. It was someone else, and. We, it wasn't a cut it down place, but they're just out. It's like a lot. And I took my daughter and so buying a Christmas tree with a almost two-year-old who's running around is one eye on her, one eye on the tree. Yeah, that one looks good. But it's pretty much, thank you boys, please can you wrap it up and put it on top of my car because I got to go chase this girl. And when I went to pay for the tree, so these two Two younger men helped me out and uh, at different phases. So when I went to pay, I realized I didn't have my wallet. So what I did was I called my wife and I said, hey, did I leave my wallet at home? And I don't have a wallet. I have a little leather thing that holds a debit card, two credit cards, and a driver's license. Well, who gives a shit? I'm just telling you, it's not a wallet. Because it's in the front left. It's adjacent to my testicles. I called my wife. I said, hey, did I leave that my wallet thing there? And she said, as a matter of fact, you did. And I said, all right, well, woman behind the counter, is this going to be all right if my wife reads you my credit card number? And it worked out. She did it. She was flexible-minded. And was doing what was best for the business. She was getting the tree sold and out the door. <clears throat> but the the form, the the thing that you sign, she didn't ask me to sign anything. She just gave me the total, whatever the tree cost. M- much more than I had expected to pay. I think it started with like, oh, I think it was like $70 or something like that. And so if I'm saying 70 it probably was like in the 80s. This, whatever. I'm a dad, man. I'm going to do whatever that little girl needs to have a great Christmas. Because I remember on my Christmas mornings when my dad wasn't... My dad was around for a couple of them. My stepdad was around for some other ones. You know. It is what it is. There was no option to tip. Nobody said, Would you like to leave a tip? Now, these boys wrestled this tree down this aisle and threw it to another guy and he threw it in some twine also while we were there all right let me fucking all wrap up these two young men helped me get this tree 
but there was no place to leave a tip. But they had done physical work to get this tree on my car. I felt like I had to leave them a tip. I, ha- I don't think I've had cash since since March. I don't think I've had cash since March. That's incorrect. Uh, or who cares? I didn't have any cash to tip them. But what I was here's the pin in the story. While we're in an, one of the tree aisles looking, uh, my daughter who's with me. She's amazed at looking at all these trees and Christmas music and a lot of neuronal firing is happening in her head. I'll put a pin in that. For some reason, my wife, who likes punk rock and likes metal and likes city girls and all sorts of music, but she's a rock and roller. And when my daughter was old enough to sit in a high chair several months in, anytime my wife would run the garbage disposal or uh, a blender, she would like hesh out and shake her head, right? And she would say, come on, girl, let's go. And now, anytime there's an industrial noise made in our house, like, like the dryer is spinning around, my daughter will look at us and start shaking her head intently, like left and right, like, fuck yeah, we're in the pit and... Solo King, Solo Hahnemann, Joseph Mengele, Life After Auschwitz. That's You'll have to, have to go back in the catalog to get all that. Anyway, so my daughter, every time she hears an industrial noise, uh, will kind of start hashing out a little bit and shaking her head. It's cute to us because it's the three of us in this quarantined house. We get to the Christmas tree lot. We're in the aisle of trees, and somewhere there's a, all of a sudden a chainsaw. And my daughter starts, just drops, you know, she's like, bends her knees and starts heshing out and shaking her head. And it's the cutest thing to me. But I can see these other people looking at her like, your daughter needs some fucking help, dude. Like, what is she doing here? Like, is she a reindeer? What does she think? They don't, they have they probably don't even hear the saw because it's been such a consistent noise in their, in their background. But she just starts heshing out and... It's very sweet to me, but it's one of those things, an example, of, and she does need help. I'm her dad. It's one of those things where it's cute to you, but everyone else is like, your kid's fucking retarded, dude. Like, what's going on? I don't have money to tip these two guys. But I want to, so I said to one of them, I said, and these are, these are white, young white men who are, the color of milk. Yet I am still trying to be very conscious still. Yet I'm always trying to be conscious of the language I use, except for when I just said retarded a minute ago. Apparently, I don't want to say anything about the R word. I don't like, I don't want to say it. The only place it gets used is with comics. That does, that's not all right. It does not make it right. It's, it's, it, we just need to replace the word, is all. We need to replace it. And we are. We're working on it. But I'm conscious of not. I don't know. Maybe I'm, just, maybe I'm the wokest. But I didn't, I didn't want to say, like, hey, you know who you look like? <laughs> I don't want to say that to anybody. But sometimes people fucking resemble people. So I frame it up as. Hey, who do people tell you you look like? <laughs> Which is just a backhanded way of saying, you know who you look like? But even to these white guys who are milky white and look like I do, I didn't want to be like, hey, you look just like that other guy. That's how woke I am. I'm treating white, my own people. Anyway, it turns out they're fucking brothers because I'm like, dude, you kind of look like that other guy. He's like, yeah, we're twins. I'm like, all right, there. Insensitive, but spot on. Good eye. Thank you. I said, hey, can I Venmo you? He's like, yeah, we're brothers. I said, can I Venmo you and you can split it with him? This is a point in the story where I realize it's going nowhere. So this is the time, as I've said historically, if you want to find a window and lift it up and free yourself from the podcast, please do. 
I said, hey, if I Venmo you, can you... Uh, split it with your brother. And he said, uh, yeah. But you could tell he was a little like, I don't know if the business is going to want me to take money. and you know. Which, if you're a business who doesn't want your employees to get tipped, fuck you. Like, my grocery store has a sign, signs all over the place. Please do not tip the workers. Why? <laughs> because... Republican shop here. <laughs> they don't like the... T- I don't know. You can laugh at yourselves, can't you, Republicans? I can't wait, by the way, for Biden to be president so we can go back to making fun of the most powerful man in the world and not have all of his fucking loyal followers lose their fucking marbles when we do. Isn't that, the, isn't, isn't that a bitch? You can't make fun of the fucking president because everybody cries. You pussies. Can't say that either. I'm work. Got to get that one out of my vocabulary. You're supposed to be able to shit on the most powerful man in in the world, whether he's on your team or not. That's the job. Yeah, bitches. That's that was just gratuitous. I was just that was for the joke of it. I didn't really mean that part of it. I tipped the guy on Venmo, like. There were no, but he was like, I'm not sure I should take this. Like, you can take it. So I tipped him, I Venmoed him $20 and said to his brother, I said, hey, I just tipped him $20. Make sure he gives you half of it. But of course, because I'm always thinking about the worker, I didn't say it where anybody else could hear it. It was just for the two of them. Like, if he doesn't pay you, you beat his ass. That sort of thing. Brother to brother. I have brothers. And... The guy who I tipped sent me a Venmo friend request, <laughs> which I just found sweet. Like, yeah, we'll link up probably someday. Maybe, well, what are we going to do together? I'm probably 20 years older than him, if not more. And we'll just be friends. And you know what? I looked at his profile picture, and it's the golfer John Daly, one of the great talk about a rock and roller john daly uh i think i'm gonna accept the friend request from from the guy that's where my that is that is that on par with is that you tell me is that another sign that i need to go volunteer when i'm hanging out with the guy who tied the christmas tree to my car is that time for me to expand my horizons a little bit I think I'm going to accept it because of the John Daly thing and also because it's COVID. And any social interaction I'll take. I don't see you next year, dude. Look forward to it. Or I don't know. Is there social ca- can you see I'm a younger person? Is there social capital in how many Venmo friends you have? Like there's social capital in how many Facebook friends? Oh, he's got 5,000 friends or uh, Is there status in how many Venmo people you know? I don't know. But I'm going to accept it because John Daly is his, is his, uh, John Daly, drinking, smoking, golfing. Every loafer-wearing, public school, rich Atlanta douche wannabe's hero, I'm sure. I don't know. Or it's that other guy, Bubba. I think I'm going to accept it just for the, just for the social network. I'll take all the social in this day in this day I will take all the social interaction I get. We had a play date yesterday, an outdoor take it easy outdoor play date. I, 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 I here's who I feel for in the pandemic most. I feel for young people who are trying to fuck and I feel for people who live with people they don't like. I, I most feel for you. I feel for you most. I mean, of course, people dying. And, but I'm talking about among the survivors, among those of you who are trying to live and survive, I feel for young people trying to fuck, or old people trying to fuck. But I feel for people who are trying to hook up. And 
and I feel for people who live with people they don't like. And if that triggered you, I'm very sorry about that. But you're like, dude, I was having a nice little break. Again, feeling better about myself because I'm listening to you sound like a moron. Is moron acceptable? I don't know. Pro, pro, I'll look. Is moron PC? Also, there's a Fleetwood Mac song I heard the other day when I probably was walking through the Christmas tree lot called Gypsy. We're just cool with that, Stevie. <laughs> I Nobody's going to cancel Stevie Nicks for having a like number one smash song called Gypsy. <laughs> and she'll pickpocket you. <laughs> Watch out for her in train stations across Europe. Ah, Gypsy. Gypsies actually have a good sense of humor. No, why, why are people, why is no one trying to cancel Stevie? Because she's goddamn Stevie Nicks, that's why. And also, if someone can point me to a master's thesis level study of the power Stevie Nicks continues to have over women between the ages of 17 and 24, I presume most of them are white, but I don't know that. Please... I can speculate what the attraction is to the icon Stevie Nicks, but if someone can point me to like the definitive document on why Stevie Nicks holds such sway for young women of a certain age, I, I would like to I would like to read that. And I don't want Stevie to be canceled, even though she wrote a really mean spirited song <laughs> called Gypsy. I don't know if you can say more on, but I hope you feel better about yourself listening to me. Because you should, because this is this is COVID life. This is co- these are COVID thoughts. But we had a play date yesterday. I have the the I have the best neighbors. I have a good group of neighbors. And there's a house on the corner that's the most fun. Ha- My wife and I are old, first time parents of a two year old, so. We don't know what we're doing. We're just trying to figure it out. But there, so so there, but there are other families who have more kids who are just like they know what to do. So we're, you know, soaking up watching them what they do. And then there are some older neighbors across the street who have kids like in college, and they just like to get fucked up. And they're great to hang out with too. So it's win-win. We're learning how to be parents, and then we're learning how to be older parents who just like to get ripped. Not just like to get ripped, but. Show you around a good, good bottle of brown. <laughs> my neighbor, my rich neighbor across the street, uh, or like I don't know, rich. Yeah, he's rich. He's rich by any standard. He has kids in college, and he uh, he and his girlfriend. I don't know. Maybe he's sixty-ish. Sixty. It's a fucking pretty banging neighborhood. Banging, there it is again. Pretty hip neighborhood I live in. Well, the couple at the corner is in their 30s probably, so it's a it's a little bit of a mixed bag. But he uh, and his, he likes to get after it. And no shame in that. But one time, through a great, amazing circumstance, I came into possession of a really nice bottle of wine. And he had called me up and said, hey, are you coming over? X, Y, and Z. Let's get a couple under the belt. So I came over in the evening, and it's clear that he'd been going since before I got there. Which I've learned, if I'm going to go over there, I need to have like a... You ever go to a party and, and realize everybody is way more fucked up than you, and you're like, like, I'll be back in a minute, and you go like, shotgun a beer? Or is that just what an alcoholic does? <laughs> I don't know, but there have been numerous circumstances in my life where I like I met my wife at uh she and I were in Southern California. She was at a wedding over here. I was at a wedding over there. After my wedding, I dro- when we were boyfriend girlfriend, I drove down to meet her in San Clemente. San Clemente, San Clemente, San Clemente. And so I was I was sober and uh made my way to San Clemente and then I showed up and she and her friends that were post reception at the bar or at the hotel or whatever, having a grand time, but they were all pretty sloshed. And so I just 
like, hey, oh, shit, I forgot something, and I'm not driving anymore because I'm parked at my destination. I'm like, I'll be right back. And then I ran across the street to the bar, and I had a quick uh, one-in-one, a quick uh, shot of probably, like, Jack Daniels at the time, and a Budweiser, and uh, sort of knocked the cobwebs into my head, and then walked over, and I was like, what's up, everybody? How you doing? You can't be the only sober person. It's the fucking worst, right? So I've learned that about my neighbor across the street. If he calls me up or texts me, if he calls me. Living in the South has gotten me finishing my words. with I heard myself with prepositions. Earlier I heard myself say, frame up. Why can't I just frame it? Why can't he just call me? It's living in the South because they like to coach people up and grill out. I don't need to say that. Just go. Anyway, if he texts me and like, hey, we're pouring, I know that he's probably had a couple. So I need to make sure I've had at least one before I go over there. So one time I went over there with this nice bottle of wine that I inherited, and it was clear that he'd had more. And he took this nice bottle of wine, which I anticipated him banging open and pouring into a glass for me to enjoy. But he immediately stuck out his hand to shake my hand. Good to see you, buddy. How are you? And he took the bottle of wine and just like Raiders of the, at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, it just vanishes into this big stack of wine in his, not a wine cooler, but just like a pantry. And it's just gone forever. And I was like, fuck. This wine is way more expensive than I would have ever purchased. Like, by a measure of, like, five. I think it was, like, a at least an $80 bottle of wine that I managed just through good fortune ha- happened to come across. And I wanted to try it. I want to see, what's this $80 bottle of wine taste like? And it just vanishes into his pile forever. <laughs> Fuck. Until, like, a year and a half later, he... I'm in a similar situation, and I've never forgotten that. Obviously, you can tell the way my mind works. I'm always aggrieved. I'm always the victim. <laughs> I'm always looking for break-even. I'm always, like, I'm, I'm what an asshole. I've never forgotten about that. And then one night, I was over there, and he's like, buddy, what are you having? And he opened the closet, and I was like, that wine. That wine that I brought over, oh my gosh, you still have it. And to him, it could have been a can of Pepsi. Because the bottles come in and out of his house quite a bit, I think. And he's like, sounds great, let's open it up. And so there, I got to open it. I didn't open it, I got to drink it. It was delicious. And then while like he wasn't looking or was away talking to someone, I was able to touch it up and make sure that I had... You know, a good two glasses of that delicious bottle of wine. Is that a story that pays off? No. Was it a detour worth taking? No. Did it provide color into my pettiness and willing to hold on to things? Yeah, so you learned a little bit more about me. But that's my neighbor across the street. I have a great group of... The neighbors down the street at the corner in their 30s. You know the one neighbor who listens to this podcast? Or used to, or allegedly did. He he and I are very friendly, but I've noticed he doesn't really say much anymore. And I wonder if it's because he he thinks that I'm going to sell him out on the podcast. So, dude, if you are listening, uh, we have to just keep talking. And uh, because it provides material. So I, I, I need the content. So... But the people at the end in their 30s who were like the funnest house, the house that you would want to hang out with when you were growing up, when I was growing up, they gifted us, they gave us their leftover, kids have grown up to outgrown it. Uh, what you would look, I would call a jumpy castle. But it's like jumpy castle 101. Like you practically could blow it up by... <sighs> it's a small square just thing that inflates and they gave us the machine that inflates it and it's super cool and my daughter loves it and it's not a mega structure who cares if it were mega structure or not it's it's a cool little thing for her so we blew it up yesterday 
There is another mom in the neighborhood. I don't know if you remember me talking about going to her daughter's two-year-old birthday party on a previous episode. This now I'm reminded of. I took a photo of she and her sisters and then and then sent it to her and said, and now I'm going to delete it. Did I? I think I talked about that. Which is the creepiest fucking thing. Like, hey, I, I, don't worry, I'm going to delete this. And they're like, oh, why? Were you going to jerk yourself off? Like, why did I say that? I've never, ever said that. Anyway, it was that woman and her daughter came over. And so my daughter and her daughter were in the yard. And then she was here. Five o'clock last night, something like that. Neighbor who listens to the podcast wasn't really involved, but his wife came over. And everyone's distancing. It's all cool. What came over when they're kids. The kids don't distance. Let's be honest. We're very clear about Like, the pediatrician says, kids are not the concern. But the adults keep their distance. And we understand the kids can pass it to adults. So maybe we're fucking hypocrites too. But we're outside... The adults are social distancing and the kids, the kids at age two really are not up in each other's business all that much anyway, um, which may be a justification, but I don't know. That's what, that's our risk profile. We hang out outside with other adults at social distance and sometimes even in masks, which is so creepy. And then the kids, if they want, the kids can interact at unsafe distance. So, Fauci, if you're listening, you might be like, that's wrong, you're going to fuck up your daughter and she's going to get you sick too. So we're having a nice time. And then, while we're doing, and I'm killing, by the way, which I'm not doing today, I get it, because I, I went on that weird economic thing at the beginning. It's so easy to kill when no one's a comic. <laughs> Anyway, I was killing. We had a good, t- I had a real good time with it. And during this fun time where kids are squealing or having, not really squealing, but it looks like a good time on a front lawn. My na- my neighbor listens to the podcast. Wife, she has a glass of wine. I have a glass of wine. The woman that I was not going to ever jerk off to, she's here with her daughter. She has a beer. It looks like a good time. All of a sudden, I look up, and there's a, another guy here with his, like, two-year-old kid over there talking to my wife. I was on Jumpy Castle duty, and my wife, this, you know, people walk by, and he stopped. Like, this looks fun. And they're hanging out, having a good time. And then, you know, we kind of rotate through, and my wife comes over to the Jumpy Castle, and I find myself talking to this guy. And I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. And he's like, yeah, where live up the street right there. Just talking about, and he was cool. He said, he said, um, just FYI, my son is in school. And what he's saying by that is, you know, he's probably, he's exposed to people and now your child is exposed to him. What For whatever that, whatever that entails, COVID life or no COVID life. And I said, oh, thanks for letting me know, you know. Where is he in school? And, you know, which is, if you're in your 20s, you're like, if you're in your 20s, you've turned this off long ago. Let's be honest. <laughs> but that's shit that fucking adults talk about. That's, and then, then I have a sentence like that. That's shit that fucking adults talk about. It's a pretty sad, sad expression. But it comes up. Where's your kid go to school? And can I feel good about where my school what, what school my kid goes to because your school sucks. I think that's what people are doing. Tell me where your kid goes to school so I can unconsciously be judgmental and feel better about the decisions I've made about my kids. Nothing you don't know. Nothing you haven't seen in any movie. My daughter's not in school. So you can feel better about yourself when you talk to us and say, ah, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> I have a podcast. We bought a Christmas tree together. She's good at banging her head. When my wife uh, runs the garbage disposal, I said, where's, where's the kid in school? The guy tells me the name of the school. I said, oh, yeah, uh, I've heard of it. 
whatever. Conversation continues. And I, he asked me a couple questions. Y'all working from home? Yeah, it's, you know, it's COVID life, dude. We're working from home. And I said, are you working from home? And this is what his, I, I said, are you working from home? And this is what his answer was. He said, yeah, we own several businesses. Dude, nobody asked you how many businesses or if you even own a fucking business. Why are you telling me that? Probably insecurity, I'm guessing. I, that's what I would do. If I'm trying, nobody in my neighborhood tries to flex on me. Like, like, I don't threaten, like, I don't threaten people with money. I don't threaten bros who shave their arms. They can feel good, but, but maybe he's just so conditioned to like, like being in that place. But like the real monies I know, like the real successful, wealthy people, they don't talk like that. They just like, are you working from home? Yeah, yeah. It's been a, wow, it's been a rough, it's been a rough 10 months or whatever. And then you dig in a little more and like, oh, I own a, you know, I own a yacht building business or I own a construction finance group or whatever, some shady shit. They don't lead with it. This guy's like, we own several businesses. Like, all right, dude, you're fucking tight. You know, well, I told you I have a podcast. It's pretty cool. What? Yo, or not? My daughter bangs her head. Shakes the hell out of it. Gives herself CTE every time a toilet's flushed in our house. Anytime a trash can is lifted up in the air by the Atlanta city workers, she shakes her head. We own several businesses. All right there, fella. And of course, me being an asshole, and doing the right thing, by the way, I don't ask about him. I don't ask at all. Oh, cool. Because people like that, and I'm giving him the least charitable interpretation, which may be a result of my own insecurity about how come I don't own several businesses. Because I could say that, like, oh, you do? Well, I own several businesses too. Let's be men talking about businesses. You know, I have an economic theory that workers should be paid. I can't find good workers anywhere. It's, I don't know what to do. But I thought it was an interesting approach. So I don't, I don't like to give, as you've heard in this podcast, I don't like to give oxygen to people who are seeking it out. I've said that. If you're the most attractive person who wants everybody to stare at you, I walk right past you. It's not hate. It's not hate. It's just like I don't mind people getting money. It's just, I just don't want to, I just don't want to be controlled. That's what it comes down to again. I don't want to do the thing that you want me to do. So I, so when he said that, that's it. I don't want, you want me to say, dude, your car looks great. I'm not going to do that. Does it mean I'm, I'm an asshole? Yeah, probably. But also I just don't want you, I don't want to be manipulated. I don't want to be controlled by you. So when you said, well, we own several businesses. I was like, oh, right on. But then he said, but I have to go into, it turns out, he owns the school in like a franchising kind of way that his kid goes to. The one I said, oh, yeah, my wife and I have heard about it or we looked at it or something like that. And it's not 100% inconceivable that my daughter would one day go to that school. But he let he it came out that we own the school, so we have to go in. So he goes in. But if I'm owning a business, I'm not fucking going anywhere near it. I'm gonna underpay somebody to run it, so I can sit in my basement and listen to my dogs wrestle like they are at Bad News Kennels. So he owns the school. He's the school owner. I know, I know, but we're just having a talk, I know, but trust, the trust that I know, he owns the school, and I'm like, oh, cool, great, uh, and then we rotate back around again to where his kid, and he's talking to somebody else in our driveway, and I'm 15 feet away, 
And in a nanosecond, his kid walks into the fucking street and a car comes and stops like 10 feet in front of him. And there was like a couple minor shrieks, but he was slow getting to the kid. And like a couple people yelled, like, hey, and the driver saw and slowed down. But it was it was it was way too close for comfort for this sweet little boy. He almost got. I mean, he could have if the person driving down the street didn't put on the brakes. Could have. Well, obviously, you have to put on the fucking brakes not to hit the kid. But it was much too close for comfort. And I was like, dude, there's no way my fucking kid's going to your school because you can't. <laughs> you can hardly keep the kids safe in front of you in my front yard so I'm not I'm not gonna send him to your goddamn school and I realize I've taken a lot of your time today and I greatly appreciate you indulging me trying to decide if I should Raise one more, one more curiosity to me. Yeah, what the fuck. And then I'll, I'll let you ponder it and come back to me. We're going to skip Ask a Trucker. Because as I said, you can find the Great Trucker interview elsewhere. Though trust that the FBI says the best career for aspiring and fully fledged serial killers is trucking is to be a long-haul trucker. So, for the aspirant serial killers listening to this podcast, and sorry, I'm talking to the Serbian. <laughs> uh, you know, long-haul trucking. And apparently the barrier to entry, there, there. If you're tired of your boss paying you shit, you can be a trucker. My friend makes it sound like anybody can do it. You can, it's... The barrier to enter, there, there are not enough truckers in the world. So if you want to be a serial killer or a trucker, take a look at it. And you get to see the country, which is beautiful. I encourage everyone to, all right, I encourage everyone to spread their wings. I really do. No trucker conversation today. I ask a trucker, I asked him the other day, hey, I have an old, like, Andy Warhol poster. Do you want it? <laughs> he said no. So that was ask a trucker. You've heard me say repeatedly, and this is just, I'll revisit this, but I just want to get it into the record, that it's great. The reason I talk shit about men and about white men is not I mean it may be because I'm a race trader but it's because we're in power it's because we are the power structure so if you're a white person who tilts about me talking shit about white people or white men know that I'm only do and straight white men for that matter even though that there are plenty of gay white men in power Know that I'm only doing that because we are the power structure. If some other group, some other whatever so-called race were in power, you would not hear the end of me talking about it. It just sounds weirder and sketchier because I am of the group. So it sounds like I'm selling, I am selling them out, no question. After all they've done for me. That's why I talk shit and say I'm a decent guy. Because we're the, we're the power structure and the bar is so fucking low for us. You know if there's an expression called blue balls? <laughs> blue balls. This is, this is what I, I just want to leave this here because it will cause me to think about it some more. Our... At, Male? <laughs> this doesn't apply to just white men. This applies to all men. Our sexual satisfaction 
is so guaranteed that we invent a condition, <laughs> an affliction, to describe what happens when we don't have an orgasm. Women are just like, well, yeah, that's every single time. Not every time, but I've, I've heard enough women do stand-up comedy. And uh, I've talked to enough women in the world that, uh, guys, we need to raise our games in the bedroom. <laughs> what is a sex without orgasm for a woman is called sex. <laughs> what is it for men? It's called blue balls. <laughs> Because we sing the blues afterwards. <laughs> and even then, there's an obvious fucking solution. It just dawned on me, and I wanted to say it so I can think about it some more. <laughs> Unfulfilling sex for women is sex. Unfulfilling sex for men <laughs> is a medical condition. <laughs> Called the blues. <laughs> Swing low. <laughs> Come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> oh, I have a bad case of blue balls. Well, you're in charge of that. You can take care of that. Privately, by the way, boys. It didn't go... How did... How was... Hey, Karen. How was sex? It was okay. Did you have an orgasm? No. Hey, Micah. How was sex? It was okay. Did you have an orgasm? Yeah. Hey, Micah, how was sex? It was terrible. I didn't have an orgasm. I have blue balls. Dun, dun. <laughs> Come on, blue balls. Thank you all for listening. I am so grateful, as I always say, for your endurance of this podcast. And I hope you have a great week. Tomorrow is tomorrow's Monday, 19 days left in the year. <laughs> but women don't get blue balls. I mean, I'm sorry, let's not say women don't get blue balls. Women don't get a name for it. Women get blue balls all the time. Or is that just my wife? <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm in it for me. No, it'll be over faster if we don't. Have a great week. Level the playing field with your goddamn employer. And if you don't have a job, I'm sorry. But thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you soon.